Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Kaiju Carnage. I am your host, Cal the Kaiju Guy. Today, I'm starting something new in which I'm not going to talk about a specific movie. Uh, about two weeks ago, I decided to do something that I'm going to call Kaiju Spotlight. And basically what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a random kaiju from any franchise and I'm basically going to give the unofficial history of this kaiju. I'm going to talk about his different appearances, his different abilities, uh, what movies they've appeared in, and so on and so forth. And I thought which better kaiju to start with than my favorite one from the Godzilla franchise. He goes by many nicknames. Uh, the one who is many, no pun intended. Uh, Monster Zero. The Golden Dragon. I can go on and on and on. Seriously, he has like 15 nicknames. But no, seriously, it's uh, King Ghidorah. King Ghidorah has been my favorite uh, kaiju from the Godzilla franchise since about the mid-90s. <clears throat> um, whenever I first was introduced to the character. It was, if anyone's listened to my introduction episode, uh, you know that pretty much my early exposure to the Godzilla franchise was by traveling with my father and occasionally catching a Godzilla film on the hotel TV. And one of the ones that I just so happened to catch whenever I was a little kid was Invasion of the Astro Monster. So, it was his second film appearance, but that was the first one that I had ever seen him in. And I became a fan of him. Like, he didn't really stand out to me while watching that movie. It was years later before he eventually became my favorite whenever I actually saw the film Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah from the Heisei era. And it was after viewing that movie when he pretty much became my favorite. And he's been my favorite ever since. I own figures of him. I own all of the movies that he's in. I've got tons and tons of fan art and official like comic book art and things like that saved in my phone. Uh, he's been my background on my phone many times. I'm a huge, huge fan of King Ghidorah. I actually like him more than Godzilla himself. Now, before I go any further and really jump into the episode, I have an apology that I need to make. Um, while I was recording the King Kong episode, I received a phone call. And I didn't think nothing of it whenever I was recording. And I didn't think to go back and check out the audio or anything. I just didn't think, I had my phone on silent. I didn't think it was going to be that big of a deal. And then after I aired the episode, once it gets to about the 23 or 24 minute mark, you can hear my phone vibrating plain as day and it lasts about 10 seconds. Um, I'm deeply sorry that that slipped by me. It was honestly just because of laziness on my part. Uh, I'm sorry if it ruined the listening experience for you guys or if it caused mass confusion 
while you were listening to the episode and you thought your phone was vibrating, I very much apologize. Uh, I've taken measures to prevent it from happening in the future, and hopefully it won't happen in the future. So, now that that's out of the way, let's jump into the meat of the episode. King Ghidorah made his first appearance in 1964, and since then, he's pretty much maintained the same basic look as well as his basic abilities. He's, you know, other than a few variations here and there in some other movies, and I'm going to talk about the different variations of him, but as of right now, I'm just going to talk about the classic version of Ghidorah. Uh, he's just about always been portrayed as armless, uh, bipedal, uh, basically just a winged dragon with three heads. Uh, he was originally intended to be just a modern take on the mythological creature from Japanese folklore, and I apologize if I mispronounce any Japanese names in this episode, but... He was based on Yamata no Orochi. And Orochi was an eight-headed dragon in Japanese folklore. And that's one of uh, the main things that he was based on. He's, he's had a number of different origin stories, things that, uh, that was specific about him, uh, depending on which era and, and some cases he's been an extraterrestrial planet killer in one he was a genetically engineered monster from the future he's been portrayed as a guardian of ancient japan he's also been portrayed as a god from an alternate dimension um also his abilities have largely remained unchanged throughout the years his basic abilities are he shoots gravity beams from his mouth a lot of people are under the impression that it's lightning or electricity it's actually gravity beams that he shoots from his mouth uh he can flap his wings so hard that it generates hurricane force winds like he's he's largely remained the same since 1964 with an occasional tweak here and there he's he's godzilla's main rival like there's been lots of kaiju that's gone head-to-head with Godzilla throughout the years. King Ghidorah has faced off against him, I believe, more than any other kaiju. And he has consistently not only gone head-to-head with Godzilla, but has been in situations and positions to defeat Godzilla. And just talking about regular, basic King Ghidorah, not any of the different variations or anything like that. Just classic King Ghidorah. He's pretty much undefeated in one-on-one combat. Every time he's fighting another kaiju one-on-one, be it uh, Mothra or Godzilla or another, another kaiju, Rodan, whoever, he has the upper hand and he's actually in a position to defeat the kaiju that he is battling, but things usually turn against him through outside interference, be it the military or scientists coming up with some way to uh, 
to hurt him or distract him or even another kaiju jumping in to help the one that he's battling. Whenever it's just him straight up fighting another kaiju, he, he, he really can't be matched. Like, that's just how powerful he is and how, how unstoppable he is. He's always been portrayed as being uh, menacing and ruthless, with the exception of one film, and I'll get to that. But, like, yeah, he's, he's just pretty much always been portrayed as being an unstoppable force that no one single kaiju can really go up against. Now, he was created, <clears throat> pardon me, by Tomoyuki Tanaka. And how the inspiration began is that at the time, in 1964, the Godzilla films were beginning to gain steam. Like, you know, you had the original 1954 Gojira, and then you had Godzilla Raids Again, which put him up against Anguirus, but it wasn't that film wasn't considered to be a versus scenario movie. The first one that actually was to be considered like Godzilla, the sole purpose of the movie of Godzilla going up against another monster was in 1962 with King Kong versus Godzilla. After that, they wanted to continue that popularity with a versus scenario, so they came out with Mothra versus Godzilla. And again, that movie, uh, both versus films were a hit, and they wanted to continue that trend of having just putting Godzilla up against another monster, as opposed to, like in the original film, of him just, you know, stomping through Japan and destroying major cities and all of that. They, they wanted there to be more action, and what better action to have than to actually put him up against other giant monsters his size. And so, after two successful versus scenario films, they decided that they wanted to move forward with another one. Now, Tanaka was inspired to create Ghidorah by, he was reading a book about Greek mythology, and he saw an illustration of the Hydra. And anyone who knows anything about Greek mythology knows what the Hydra is. It's a multi-headed serpent. And every single time, you know, you cut off one of the heads, uh, two more grow in its place and all that. And so that was one of the very first inspirations for him, but also was Orochi from Japanese folklore. Tanaka had also, whenever they were planning on wanting to do another Versus movie, he wanted him to go up against a serpent-like creature, be it a snake or a giant lizard or something like that. He wanted him just to go up against a serpent. And as whenever he was looking at uh, the illustration or the uh, Greek mythology book and he saw the Hydra, where he was like, hmm, how about a multi-headed serpent? And then the serpent idea eventually evolved into uh, the dragon, through the inspiration of Orochi. Now, Orochi in Japanese folklore has eight heads. And the Hydra from Greek mythology ends up having, you know, I believe it's dozens of heads. It's it's changed, you know, throughout throughout time with uh, the Greek mythology. But nonetheless, it was far 
more than just three. And so given the technology at the time, having that many heads on a suit, it was just, there, there's no way they would have been able to pull it off. And they wanted more than just two heads, so they just simply settled on three heads. And I was like, okay, that's what we're going to go with is three. His name, the name Ghidorah, is actually comes from the Russian pronunciation of Orochi, I believe, or Serpent. And it's spelled, whenever you spell it out in Russian, it's spelled Hidora. And so they just threw a G in front of that and pretty much decided to call him Ghidorah. So his very first appearance was in 1964 and it was just in the film Ghidorah the Three-Headed Monster. And the basic description of him in this movie is that he's an alien and he comes to destroy Earth, but he's stopped by a team-up of Godzilla, Rodan, and Mothra. Whenever they were first trying to come up with Ghidorah, like what his look was going to be, they had decided on a dragon with three heads. And whenever they were trying to get into the details of it, uh, originally he was supposed to be green. The reason why they changed it is because Godzilla's green. And they didn't want two green monsters on screen at the same time. They felt like what, uh, whenever the camera would be moving very quickly and things would be shifting around a lot that the audience would have a hard time pinpointing which kaiju was which because they were both green. And so they and so one individual listed that in the film he is stated to be coming he he comes from the planet Venus which, you know, kind of has a gold color to it whenever we see it from from Earth. And so they basically said, well, if he's from Venus, the golden planet, we might as well make him gold since he's from that planet. And so they decided to make him gold. And after they decided to on his color, originally his wings were going to reflect rainbow colors. But that also proved to be very, very difficult to do. And so they decided to drop that idea and just simply made him have, you know, regular wings. Now, the suit itself was a nightmare in this movie because Toho had never tried to undertake a suit with this many mechanical abilities and so many, like, gears turning. Like, before, they would just simply make a suit, throw it on the guy, and then say, okay, you walk around, you know, kick this, kick that, you know, fight this. It was, it was pretty simple. I mean, it'd be a lumbering suit, but it was pretty simple to maneuver. The Ghidorah suit was not simple at all. Like, the actor that was inside the suit, the suit was heavy. And he actually, every time he was in the suit, he would have to be hunched over and holding a metal bar for support, kind of propping himself up so that he didn't fall forward because it was so heavy. Not only did he control the suit, like he would make it turn and make it walk or run, jump, anything like that, but puppeteers 
there was a separate team of puppeteers that would control the heads. After that, there was another team of puppeteers that would control the wings, and then yet a third team that would control the tails. And the heads, each one had an individual motor for the mouths whenever they would open and everything, and they, they were controlled by somebody else. So there was a lot of hands that was constantly going with the King Ghidorah suit. The only problem is that with that many people trying to control something, naturally the, the streams were going to cross. Like, the guy controlling the suit, he would go to turn. Well, the puppeteers that were controlling the heads, they didn't know he was going to turn, so they would keep the heads there, which the wires that would then be supporting the heads would get tangled up. They'd have to shut down shooting the scene at the time and try and fix, you know, untangle the wires and all that stuff. And that just constantly happened. Like everything had to be working in unison. And not only that, whenever they wouldn't, <clears throat> whenever they would get all of that stuff correctly, like I said earlier, the suit was extremely heavy. And so there were times whenever they would be walking around, uh, one of the heads would just randomly start dangling because of its weight, it snapped the wire that was holding it up or the wings would snap the wire and so like it was just it was constant problems with trying to shoot it but they eventually got it and you know the film <clears throat> it is what it is that film was the very first one made in which there was another kaiju that was considered more of a villain in the film than Godzilla. And it was in this film that they decided they wanted to try and steer Godzilla to being more of a hero in the franchise. And also, it was also the beginning of the Showa era becoming more goofy. Like, there, there's a scene after they all get back to Earth, and it's... Um, I'm sorry, I think I misspoke. I don't think uh, they actually leave Earth in this film. I think I'm, I'm thinking of uh, Astro Monster. But whenever the big battle is going on between Godzilla, Rodan, and Mothra, all teamed up fighting Ghidorah, there's a part where Godzilla is actually shadow boxing towards Ghidorah, and he's doing foot movement, you know, back and forth and everything, like he's actually in a boxing match. And that so this movie was the beginning of turning Godzilla more into a hero and also making him more goofy. Um, the next appearance of King Ghidorah was the very next year, in 1965, in Invasion of the Astro Monster. Ghidorah proved to be very, very popular in uh, Ghidorah the Three-Headed Monster. And so, immediately, Toho wanted to bring him back. They wanted to do another movie of him. And let's make it happen. So, in this movie, the whole alien concept was introduced to the Godzilla franchise, which would be used over and over and over again in future films and eras. But this is the one that pretty much introduced alien, an alien invasion and mind control of the monsters and 
Ghidorah is given the nickname Monster Zero in this film. And you hear the aliens talk about Monster Zero for a pretty good bit until they actually go into outer space and you see the monster and the audience realizes that it's Ghidorah. And in that film, they also bring Godzilla and Rodan into outer space to battle King Ghidorah. It was all a ruse so that they can mind control all three monsters. They send them back to Earth and have all three monsters attacking and destroying Earth. Well, then the mind control is broken at some point during the movie and Godzilla and Rodan decide that they were going to team up yet again uh, without Mothra this time because Mothra is not featured in the film and they would go up against Ghidorah once again and they defeat him. Now the next time he appears for the Showa era is in 1968, three years after uh, Invasion of Astro Monster and he appears in Destroy All Monsters. Once again, Ghidorah, he's mind-controlled by aliens, just like he was in the other film. Now, a lot of people don't know that the reason Destroy All Monsters was on such a grand scale compared to the other films in the Showa era is because by this time, they decided to go the more goofy route with Godzilla and it just wasn't hitting off anymore. Like, there were, there were a lot of people that were not happy about the route that Godzilla was taking. And so the movies were beginning to lose steam. They were beginning to lose money. And so Toho decided that they were just, they were going to end the franchise. And so that's why Destroy All Monsters has the huge amount of kaiju that is in it. The concept of Monster Island is introduced in this film. And so they bring... Ghidorah back once again to basically become the main enemy of the Showa era. And so he comes back, he fights pretty much every single kaiju that's in the Godzilla franchise at that time. And he holds his own pretty well, but naturally, you know, he's, he's overpowered and he actually ends up dying in the movie. Like, he's killed at the end. And, you know, by this time, this is his third appearance. They're not having... Production is not having near the amount of issues with controlling the suit because they've learned from their past mistakes. Technology was slowly getting better. And things were beginning to work more smooth with controlling Ghidorah. But... Yeah, he's uh he's pretty much killed at the end of that movie. And you know, all of the kaiju end up returning to Monster Island at the end and originally that was supposed to be the end of the Godzilla franchise. But the film was well received by fans. It made a decent amount of money to the point to where Toho was like, "Okay, well maybe there's still some interest in this franchise. We'll keep it going." And they, they made a few more Godzilla films, but Ghidorah had been, you know, he was untouched because he was dead. Well, the next time we see him is in 1972, four years after his quote-unquote death in Destroy All Monsters. 
and he was going to make his return in Godzilla vs. Gigant. The original title for Godzilla vs. Gigant was The Return of King Ghidorah. Like, they just, they wanted to bring him back. Also, the original concept for Godzilla vs. Gigant was it was going to be Gigant, King Ghidorah, and Megalon. And it was just going to be those three alien monsters. I believe the original title was Godzilla vs. the Aliens, or the Alien Monsters, or something like that. Um, but they decided to withhold Megalon until a future film. And they just kept Gigan and Ghidorah in there. There's no explanation in the film as to how Ghidorah is back. Because, like I said, he was killed and destroy all monsters. And then for Godzilla vs. Gigan, he just randomly pops back up. And so the film was just Godzilla and Anguirus teaming up to battle Gigan and Ghidorah. And, <clears throat> yeah, that film is what it is. Gigan and Ghidorah were defeated yet again. And that was in 1972. And that would be Ghidorah's last appearance in the Showa era. Now, in Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla, there's some stock footage that's shown of him. But that's it. There's no actual more official footage of him in the Showa era. And so that's all of his appearances in the Showa era. Um, he pretty much remained largely unchanged from start to finish. And his popularity, like, you know, his he, he made a very strong fan base during the Showa era that... Even though the Godzilla films had started becoming more goofy and more child-friendly, King Ghidorah was one of the major standout things of the Showa era. And he would not be seen again until 1991 during the Heisei era, whenever Toho decided to put Godzilla up against King Ghidorah once again. Now... It had been 19 years since he had been seen on screen. And the reason that Toho decided to go with him in this one is because, you know, they decided to reboot the Godzilla franchise and they did so with the return of Godzilla. And then after that, they did Godzilla versus Biollante. Neither one of those films were super, super successful. Like, they, they made some money, but... They weren't, they didn't do what Toho wanted it to do. And so in Return of Godzilla, it's pretty much, they pretty much went right back to the original Gojira's roots in which he was just attacking Japan. And then in Biollante, they created the new monster Biollante for him to go up against. Well, part of the reason why they believed that those two films did not generate the buzz or the success that they wanted was because Godzilla was the only thing that was recognizable in the films. And so they decided that they wanted to bring back the more classic, popular monsters from the Showa era and start putting Godzilla up against them so that they can try and gain some more steam 
with this new era. Another reason as to why they decided to bring Ghidorah back was because at the time that Godzilla vs. Biollante was in theaters, Back to the Future 2 was also in theaters. And Back to the Future 2 just blew Godzilla vs. Biollante out of the water. Grossed way more money. And so Toho believed that because of the success of Back to the Future 2, that that's what the audience was leaning more towards. They wanted to see some time travel films or films that had time travel in it. So they decided to bring back classic monsters, incorporate time travel in it in some way, and that's pretty much how the Heisei era Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah was created. He was created in this movie by, there were some very small, kind of cute little monsters, and they were referred to as the Dorats. And some people from the future come down, or I'm sorry, not come down. They come to the past and they convince people to time travel with them to go back to an island during World War II, where in this era, how Godzilla was created, there was a dinosaur called the Godzillasaurus. Yeah, that's real original there. And whenever the... H-bomb goes off on this island, it transforms that dinosaur into Godzilla. And that's how everything, you know, gets going in that timeline. Well, they convince them, since Godzilla is such a problem, you know, from uh, the return of Godzilla and then Godzilla versus Biollante, they say that they can get rid of Godzilla. So what they decide to do is to go back in time and after um, a battle that the Godzillasaurus has with some soldiers and he's weakened, they decide to get the Godzillasaurus and move him to another location so that whenever the bomb goes off, the bomb won't affect him and therefore Godzilla is never created. Well, turns out it's all a ruse and... Whenever they move the Godzillasaurus and they go to go back to the regular time, they leave the three Dorats there. And the Dorats, they, they pretty much look like little baby Ghidorahs. And so they leave them on the island. Well, then whenever the bomb goes off, it transforms them into King Ghidorah. And whenever they come back to the past, I mean, uh, to the present time, Ghidorah's pretty much just running around doing whatever he wants, and there's no Godzilla to oppose him. And so they end up, you know, going back in time yet again. Uh, I'm sorry, I really can't remember if they go back in time again. <laughs> I, I apologize, it's been a while since I've seen the film. But um, nonetheless, they create another Godzilla with a more powerful bomb. So now this version of Godzilla is even more powerful than the one that we had seen previous. And he goes up against King Ghidorah. And even though it's a more powerful version of Godzilla, he still has a very hard time with Ghidorah. Like Ghidorah uh, is massive. He towers over him. He's far larger than uh, the Showa era. Ghidorah was compared to Godzilla. 
another difference that was on this version of Ghidorah was the Ghidorah of the Showa era had manes around his his three heads to where they kind of look like little lion heads a little bit with the mane. Well, for the Heisei era, they decided to get rid of the manes and give him multiple horns. And the look with the horns is what Ghidorah would keep moving forward into future movies and future eras. Now, naturally, Godzilla defeats Ghidorah at some point in time, but now Godzilla's running rampant, doing, you know, and there's nothing to stop him. So they time travel to the future where Ghidorah's body had been laying underwater for 200 years. And in the future, with very futuristic technology, they get Ghidorah's body, and with it, they craft Mecha King Ghidorah. Which, in this particular version of Ghidorah, he's not a sentient being. He's 100% a man-made and man-controlled robot. Like, he has biological parts of Ghidorah, but he's he's 100% controlled by a pilot. And, you know, he they battle Godzilla that way. Uh, they end up defeating Godzilla. And then we pretty much don't see... That was his only appearance in the Heisei era. The only thing that's close to, I guess, an appearance that he would have again in the Heisei era would be that it was because of the mechanical remains from Mecha Godzilla, I'm sorry, from Mecha King Ghidorah, that they were able to create Mecha Godzilla in a future Heisei era film. But that movie is pretty much the only Heisei era film where he has a distinct appearance. Now, the next time he shows up is in 2001. And it's in the Millennium series at this time. And it's in the movie called Godzilla, Mothra, and King Ghidorah, Giant Monsters All Out Attack. Yeah, that that title is a mouthful. (laughs) And in this movie, this is the only time in the history of any of his appearances in any movie that he's actually portrayed as a hero. Now, originally, they were not going to use him in the movie. They wanted to use Anguirus and Varen to be in there. But whenever they were starting to come up with the script process and everything, they just felt that the that Anguirus and Varen would not be marketable. And... At that point in time, Ghidorah had not been seen on screen, classic Ghidorah anyway, in 10 years. So they said, well, let's just go on ahead and bring back Ghidorah, change him up a little bit, make him a hero, and maybe that'll be enough to draw in audiences. Now, this film, just like all films in the Millennium Era, with the exception of one, completely ignores all future all films that had already taken place with the exception of the original 1954 Gojira 
So this film is considered to be a direct sequel to Gojira, just like Godzilla 2000 was a direct sequel to it. And then Godzilla vs. Megaguirus completely ignores 2000. It's considered a direct sequel to Gojira. And just like this one, it ignores all others before it, except for Gojira. Now, Ghidorah is he's pretty different in this movie than what we've seen so far in any of his appearances. For one, he's smaller than Godzilla. They decided to have Godzilla go back to his more sinister roots in this film, and they couldn't very well really pull that off if one of the monsters he was going to be going up against towers over him and is severely more powerful than him as Ghidorah has been portrayed in just about every other appearance that there's been done. So to make Godzilla look more powerful and like he was the powerhouse of the movie, they shrunk Ghidorah down a little bit and uh, made him severely weaker than we've seen him in previous movies. <clears throat> now, a little fun fact about this movie is that the suits were designed by a man named Fuyuki Shinada. Whenever he was first going to be working on the suits, he was very excited because Varen is his favorite kaiju. And he was very excited to be able to create a costume for the movie so that everyone could see it. He was going to put all a lot of his uh, passion and uh, love into creating it. And then whenever they decided to boot Varen from the film, it just it broke his heart. Because he was very much looking forward to creating a brand new suit for Varen. So whenever he was designing... The Ghidorah suit, he actually changed Ghidorah's facial features from what we're more familiar with and made them very, very, very similar to Varen's facial features. So that in his mind, it would basically be a three-headed Varen that was in the movie. So one way or the other, he was going to put uh, Varen in the film. But in this movie... You know, he's not an alien. He's a ancient guardian of Japan. And whenever Godzilla returns uh, to go up against Mothra and Baragon, Baragon was left out of the title, obviously. Uh, he defeats Baragon, you know, he defeats Mothra, and then Ghidorah uh, actually has to battle him, and he's the savior of Japan, basically. Whenever... Uh, Godzilla is finally defeated, and that was the only time that he ever appeared as a hero in the entirety of the Godzilla franchise. Now, the next time we see him is in 2018. This version of Ghidorah is the most different than any other version that we've seen so far. Like, he's considered a god of an alternate dimension in this film. 
the film that it is is the third film of the Godzilla anime trilogy called The Planet Eater. He was mentioned in a post-credit scene of the second film in the trilogy. Just his name was just mentioned. And I remember watching that for the first time and being super excited that they was going to bring Ghidorah into this anime trilogy. And then I also remember just being severely let down and disappointed by how they decided to portray Ghidorah in the third film. His heads in this one, his heads is really all that we see. And they're made out of pure energy. And they come from, it's a black hole type of portal. And... Whenever these portals are open, his heads come through and it pretty much drains the planet of all of his energy and that's how he keeps going. And uh, he does this in this film and naturally he's met by Godzilla, which the Godzilla in this, uh, in this particular universe is referred to as Earth Godzilla because he's like 10,000 years old, his skin looks very much like bark his dorsal fins are kind of similar to leaves and it, it's really despite what you may think of the trilogy i very much like that particular version of godzilla i cannot say the same for that version of Ghidorah. so that's pretty much all i'm going to say about that now the next time and currently the most recent time we've seen him on screen was in 2019 in the sequel to Godzilla, just titled Godzilla King of the Monsters. Now, this version of Ghidorah, as far as classic Ghidorah is concerned, this is my favorite portrayal that they've done of him so far. He was, it was perfect, the way that they got it. Like, they got his ruthlessness, they got his power, they got his size, they got the fact that he is stronger than Godzilla, that he had the upper hand against Godzilla uh, numerous times throughout the movie. The military was having trouble with him. He literally became a worldwide threat in this movie. And to me, that is what Ghidorah embodies. He's like, he's supposed to be this unstoppable force until Godzilla is able to summon the will, be it by himself or with assistance from humans or other kaiju, to bring him down. And this movie could not have done Ghidorah more justice. Like, it was... I have no complaints. Uh... One of the things that they changed about this version of Ghidorah is that for the first time, all three of his heads, instead of kind of just being like the same being, all three of his heads have very different and distinctive personalities. The middle head is more cruel and intelligent. Like, he's the thinker. Like, I like to believe that he's the one that pretty much controls the body, and the other two heads are kind of just there to assist him. Uh, his cruelty is shown 
uh, whenever they're in Antarctica, and he eats one of the scientists for no reason whatsoever. I mean, humans are so small compared to him that there's no way he could have actually gotten sustenance from eating this individual. He did it for the sole purpose of he knew it would hurt the humans that were trying to attack him at the time. And so that's pretty much why he did it. Like, he was intelligent enough to know that that would hurt them, and he did it purely out of just cruelty. Now, the right head is more aggressive, and it's also kind of obedient to the center head. Well, it doesn't really give him any problems or anything. He kind of, the center head will look at it every now and then, and it immediately will, you know, kind of do whatever it is that he needs him to do. Now, the left head is the observer. Like, unofficially, the fans have, uh, it pretty much has uh, the most distinctive personality. It's very much like it's constantly looking around. It's constantly, you know, it's very curious about things. Um, you know, but then also something that stands out is that the center head, there are two times just off the top of my head that I can think where the center head kind of, like, gets on to the left head in a way. Like, after he shoots his gravity beams at some soldiers at one point, the left head is kind of licking the ground, and the center head roars at him to get him to stop. Um, whenever the device is activated and kind of throws Ghidorah into a frenzy, and then it's deactivated and it wears off, the center head just kind of, like, in a moment of rage, just reaches over and just bites the left head for no reason. And so the the left head is named Kevin by the fan base. And like we all just believe it's just this really goofy acting type uh type head. And you know, it's weird talking about how the heads you can have like a favorite head, but yeah, the left head is uh is uh probably my favorite of the Monsterverse Ghidorah. Now, one of the other things about the MonsterVerse Ghidorah that they decided to go back to from the... That was, uh... It was more back to his alien roots. Like, it's not really specified where he comes from exactly in the film. All Pretty much all we're let known is that he is an alien from outer space. And this was the first time in 20 years, or close to 20 years, that we had seen a version like this of Ghidorah on screen because the last time he was a god from an alternate dimension and then the time before that he was a guardian of ancient Japan. So they, they went back to his alien roots with this one. Um, if you just watched the movie, you would think that one of his powers or abilities is the ability to regenerate his head very quickly. Because at one point in the movie, Godzilla rips off one of the heads, and just a few minutes later, it grows back very, very quickly. Now, as far as just the movie is concerned, that could be a nod to the original creation of Ghidorah, one of the inspirations being the Hydra, in that, you know, his head grew back very, very quickly. But if you actually read the novel, that is based on the movie. It states why his head grew back so fast. Like the reason it happened was 
uh, whenever he goes and lands on Rodan's volcano, his body began to absorb the radiation that was emitting from the volcano. And because he absorbed, he was absorbing so much radiation, it allowed his head to heal and regenerate at a much faster pace than it normally would. And so that's why his head grew back as quickly as it did in the movie was because he was absorbing the radiation. Um, other versions of Ghidorah before this, you know, he, he could shoot the gravity beams from his mouth and he could also, you know, his, his wings would create hurricane force winds. But some changes that was done to this version of Ghidorah is that not only can his wings create hurricane force winds, he can literally surround himself in a hurricane. Like, there's a point in the movie where they they look at a radar and they believe that there's a legit hurricane brewing out there when it was actually Ghidorah just flying around. And they realize that whenever uh, it just randomly changes direction. And <clears throat> he'd, create, he'd create electrical storms to, to surround himself in, and naturally he can consume nuclear energy. Um, not only nuclear energy, but also electrical energy, like electrical currents. There was that part in the movie when he's going up against Godzilla after Godzilla has been juiced from an atomic bomb. And, you know, he just bites a transformer, absorbs the electrical power from that, and then he himself gets a power boost, which makes him more powerful than Godzilla once again. And we see that the extent of him being able to absorb radiation is to the point that whenever he drops Godzilla pretty much from the atmosphere and he comes comes up to him, his, his heads begin to coil around him and you can see the red energy... <clears throat> pardon me. You can see the red energy leaving Godzilla and going into Ghidorah. So he could also absorb radiation from other kaiju. But, you know, just like <clears throat> pretty much what always happens with uh, Ghidorah, he's winning the battle against Godzilla, in my opinion. He actually had Godzilla defeated, and he was distracted by outside interference, which gave Godzilla the time that he needed to go thermonuclear. And then with the sacrifice of Mothra, uh, pretty much giving Godzilla that pulsing power. I don't know if uh, if anyone who's seen the movie has ever noticed this or not, but whenever he first gives off the pulse <clears throat> that damages Ghidorah for the first time, you can see a silhouette of Mothra come out of Godzilla whenever he does the pulse, and you can also hear her uh, her roar that she makes or scream. I really don't know what you would call that. The noise that she makes. A chirp? A scream? I don't know. But you, you, you can hear her noise. Alright, let's just go with that noise. And so Ghidorah is defeated. And there's a post-credit scene, or a mid-credit scene, I'm sorry. That, um... No, it was a post-credit scene. I'm sorry. Like, I know I'm making myself sound like a rookie with all these mistakes that I'm making, but, you know, I've got I've got a lot of Ghidorah stuff running through my head right now. But uh, there's a scene 
uh, post credits, which shows hit one of his heads, the head that was ripped off whenever they was out in the sea. Uh, it's been taken by some pirates, and they're trying to get rid of it on the black market. And so we're probably going to see some something to do with Ghidorah in a future movie. Whether or not that something is going to be in uh, next year's Godzilla vs. Kong, or if there's going to be another movie after that one, we don't know. Like, could, uh, will an entirely new Ghidorah regenerate from that head if enough radiation is put around it? Will that head be the basis to create Mecha King Ghidorah? I mean, we don't know at this time. That's why it's a teaser. So, that's pretty much the last time we see Ghidorah in, like, main movies, like, as far as just classic Ghidorah goes, with the exception of the one from the third film in the anime trilogy, The Planet Eater. Um, but those are pretty much all the that we've seen on screen, on film, other than some TV shows and things like that that I'm not going to get into. He made an appearance here and there in some TV shows, but it was nothing really to write home about. But um, <clears throat> now let's jump into the different, some different variations of Ghidorah, not just classic Ghidorah. The first time we see a different version of Ghidorah, which this is personally my favorite version of Ghidorah, and it's in the 1996 film Rebirth of Mothra. <clears throat> and this version of Ghidorah is called Dez Ghidorah. The Dez in front of Ghidorah translates to death. So this version of Ghidorah is literally called Death Ghidorah. And his name is very, very well earned. This is probably, this version is the most ruthless and sinister that we've seen of any version of Ghidorah since. And in my opinion, is probably the most powerful version of Ghidorah that we've seen other than the god Ghidorah from the anime trilogy. <clears throat> uh, once again, he's back to his alien and planet-killing roots because uh, Rebirth of Mothra takes place during the Heisei era. And so of that era... The only time we had seen Ghidorah was in 1991 with Godzilla vs. King Kong. And so fast forward five years and the Heisei era sees a new version of Ghidorah being Des Ghidorah. And this version is an alien. There are some very major differences of him versus classic Ghidorah in this one. Uh, for starters, the most obvious change that there is with him is that he's black and he has uh, <clears throat> he's black and he has four legs in this timeline he is responsible for destroying Mars and like, he pretty much, he goes to Mars, he drains it of all life and everything, and pretty much leaves Mars as the barren wasteland 
that we all know it now. The moment he is released, he immediately begins draining the forest that's around him to gain uh, to gain more powers and more abilities and to begin to become more powerful. The Heisei-era Mothra tries to battle him. It doesn't really work out all that well. She, she pretty much gets her tail handed to her. Um, an egg that she had hatches prematurely. The child also tries to battle uh, Desgadora, and neither one of them are really, they just, they do not do well. And Heisei Mothra ends up being killed because of the battle. After Mothra is killed, he drains even more energy from his surroundings, and then he gets his wings, and... Uh, he's able to take flight, and he becomes a little bit more closer to the classic Ghidorah that we all know and love. He has multiple new abilities in this film. Uh, he can shoot fire from his center head. Uh, he can open fissures in the ground and release flames from them. He can shoot lava energy blasts. He can send a shockwave out from him. He can send uh, a red electric surge through bites, like if he bites, he can uh, it uh, sends a surge through whatever it is that he's biting. Um, but he can also, you know, just like classic Ghidorah, he can uh, create hurricane-force winds from flapping his wings. One thing that stands out about this Ghidorah is that he was literally too powerful to be killed. He was defeated, but he could not be killed. And he just ends up being sealed away once again, uh, like he was uh, thousands and thousands of years ago. And so that's pretty much, that's the only appearance that we've seen on screen of Desgadora. I firmly believe that Desgadora does not get enough love or attention that he deserves. He's an amazing addition to the Godzilla franchise. He's an amazing version of, of, um, of this classic character that we all know and love. And I really wish there was more media that gave him attention than what there is. Now, the next time we see a different variation of Ghidorah is in 1998. And it's once again in the Rebirth of Mothra trilogy. And it's in the third and final film of the Rebirth of Mothra trilogy. This version of King Ghidorah, he has two different versions that's in the movie. The first one will unofficially call him prehistoric Ghidorah. And, but the main version of him is called Grand King Ghidorah. Now, the basic premise of this version of him is that he's once again an alien. And 130 million years ago, he came to Earth and killed all of the dinosaurs. After he had killed the dinosaurs, he killed them so that he could feed and gain energy and all that and become more powerful. He creates a meteor around himself and leaves Earth that way. But then in the present day, 1998, present day at the time, he returns and Mothra Leo tries to battle him. 
and it doesn't work out all that well. Uh, like, Leo is defeated pretty soundly. And so they've determined that this version of Ghidorah is far too powerful and that he can't be defeated by Leo. So Leo travels back in time to defeat a younger and weaker version of Ghidorah, the prehistoric Ghidorah. And they have a battle. Leo ends up defeating him, but he cuts off, Leo cuts off one of the tails of Ghidorah and the tail burrows underground and it pretty much just stays there and waits and waits and waits. And um, <clears throat> so then whenever Mothra Leo comes back to the present time, the tail that had been underground for 130 million years now springs up and immediately becomes Grand King Ghidorah, although I do believe it's still a weaker version than the original one that Mothra Leo had fought. And Mothra ends up having another battle with him and ends up having to evolve and become armored Mothra to defeat him. Now, this Ghidorah, like, he's pretty well close to the classic version. The only reason why I consider him an alternate variation, many, many fans just consider him, you know, just, they say it's regular King Ghidorah, but he has a few different abilities. He has a different origin story and everything, and so I, I consider him to be, like, a, a completely separate alternate version of Ghidorah. Some of the new abilities that he has is that he's able to shoot fireballs uh, from his mouth. And he can shoot bolts of lightning from his wings. Now, one of the things that he does in this film that's very exclusive to this film is that he's able to create a dome out of energy. And he can transport things into this dome, and he basically uses it like a refrigerator. Like, he wants to feed on this. He doesn't want to feed on it right now, so he just transports it into that dome and basically he's like, I'll come back to you later. And other than that, you know, he pretty much has a lot of the standard abilities uh, as regular Ghidorah. Nothing that really stands out about him. Uh, I'm not too crazy about this version of Ghidorah, but he is an alternate version of Ghidorah, so I felt like I needed to discuss him in this episode. Now... The final version of Ghidorah that I'm going to speak about that we've seen on screen was the version of him that we saw in 2004 in Godzilla Final Wars, which would be the final Godzilla film that was made by Toho until 2016, whenever Shin Godzilla comes out. Now, this version of Ghidorah is called Kaiser Ghidorah. They called him Kaiser Ghidorah, naturally, because Kaiser means emperor. And they're trying to convey that this is a more powerful version of Ghidorah than what we've seen so far, even though, based on what their abilities and what they're able to do, I do not believe that Kaiser Ghidorah is more powerful than Dez Ghidorah. That's just my personal opinion. But, uh, so he's called Kaiser Ghidorah. Toho actually wanted to keep Ghidorah's presence in this film a secret. And so he has two versions in this movie. 
and he's referred to as Monster X for a pretty good chunk of the movie. And his first form, he's bipedal. And he's in kind of like a skeletal type form. And for shoulders, he has two head-like things that are there. They're not like, they're heads, but they're not on like a neck. And they just sit there on his shoulders. And just this version of Monster X is pretty powerful to the point to where he was able to go toe-to-toe with the Final Wars version of Godzilla, which at that point in time throughout the movie, Godzilla had been one-shotting any kaiju that he goes up against with his atomic beam, and Monster X just takes it like, like it was nothing. And eventually he becomes Ghidorah. Uh, Kaiser Ghidorah. There are some, there's some pretty, he looks kind of similar to the classic Ghidorah, but they decided to go with more of the look also from Des Ghidorah, which uh, he has four legs as opposed to two. Also, he doesn't have scales. He has more just smooth skin in this version. And instead of being completely gold, like we had seen him before, he has streaks of blue going all through his uh, his skin. It's actually a very cool looking version of Ghidorah. <clears throat> uh, he never flies on screen. He does gain wings at some point, but he he doesn't take flight at all. And yeah. That's pretty much it. Like, he has a battle with uh, Godzilla and, you know, true to form, which is usual with uh, Ghidorah versus Godzilla. Ghidorah is winning the battle, but then due to outside interference and assistance towards Godzilla, Godzilla is able to get a power boost that can put him over the edge to defeat Ghidorah. And I'm I'm sorry that I don't have much more to say about this version of Ghidorah, but uh, he's only appeared in that one film. And, like, you know, he's not in it very long, and he's made an appearance here and there in some other little small medias here and there. Uh, he was in a comic book at one point, but there was nothing really that stands out about that version. So pretty much the definitive version, if you want to see Kaiser Ghidorah, is in... Uh, Godzilla Final Wars. And that's pretty much everything I've got to say about King Ghidorah appearing in film. Like, I mean, what can I say? This episode ended up being a lot longer than I thought it would be just talking about this one character. But uh, he's appeared in numerous video games and comic books. There's a very good comic series called uh, Godzilla Kingdom of Monsters. And he's featured in that. And the art, the artwork is amazing in, that, uh, in uh, that series. Just Google Godzilla Kingdom of Monsters. And you can spend hours just looking at the artwork of the different kaiju and everything. And it's just, it's amazing. Uh, video games, you know, he was in, um, there were some Godzilla games for the PlayStation two, uh, for the GameCube as well. I believe, I believe one of my friends had one for the GameCube that we would play a pretty good bit. Um, 
I want to say one that I played whenever I was younger was called Godzilla Total Destruction, I think. And um, it featured, it, it came out in like 2002, 2003. I know that you could play with uh, the Heisei versions of a lot of the kaiju, as well as like the early millennium version of Godzilla, like from Godzilla 2000. But uh, Ghidorah is in the game as well as Mecha King Ghidorah, and I would spend every just about every single time I would play, I would uh, play with Ghidorah or Mecha King Ghidorah. I would play with some of the other ones, but it was mainly those two that I would play with. And, you know, Ghidorah has proven that he can stand the test of time. He's, like I said way earlier in the episode, he's Godzilla's main rival. It seems like he's... You know, he's the ace in the hole to where anytime Toho has ever ever felt like we need to give the Godzilla franchise a boost, they choose Ghidorah to give that boost. And it usually helps. He's consistently been ranked uh, in the top three most popular kaiju, not just of the Godzilla franchise, but just kaiju in general. Uh, sometimes he's been ranked number two right behind Godzilla. And that says a lot because Mothra is an extremely popular monster and she's usually ranked number two. So the fact that Ghidorah has outranked her a few times on some official rankings and some uh, voting polls, that, that, says, that says a lot about his popularity. He is one of four kaiju to have appeared in all four eras of Godzilla film. The other three monsters are naturally Godzilla, and then Mothra and Rodan. And, you know, like, I really don't have much else to say about him. You know, I mean, I've rambled on long enough, way longer than what I really thought that I would. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Like I said, this was the first episode of a new batch that I'm going to be doing called Kaiju Spotlight. I haven't, I have not yet decided what the next spotlight that I'm going to do, but I'm going to do these spotlights once a month. And so Ghidorah is for this month, the month of December in 2020. And I'll have a new one selected for January. And like I said, I haven't decided which one I'm going to do yet. It may not be part of the uh, Godzilla franchise because I know I've been focusing a lot I know this, that the podcast and my Facebook page is called Kaiju Carnage, but I have been putting a lot of focus on the Godzilla franchise because, quite frankly, it's the most well-known kaiju franchise that there is. But believe me, guys, I'm going to show some more love and attention to some other kaiju properties, not just Godzilla. So the next spotlight may be a kaiju from a different franchise just to kind of shake things up a little bit. But yeah, that's pretty much it for the King Ghidorah episode. Um, next week, my next episode will be uh, the OGs of Kaiju Part 2. And the subject of that episode is the Beast from 20,000 Fathoms. Um, now that the Ghidorah episode is out of the way, I can put all of my focus and attention on the Beast from 20,000 Fathoms. And... I plan to put just as much effort into it as I did the King Kong episode, um, and 
this episode, this was more like for me, kind of like an unofficial kind of thing. I was mostly just spitballing, just talking about, you know, the character that I, I love and everything. A lot of this information was just stuff off the top of my head, but, um, the beast from 20,000 fathoms is definitely going to be more of an official, more for a lack of a better way to say it, a professional episode in comparing comparison to this one it'll be more like the king kong episode with uh production information pre-production post-production reception you know legacy the fact that it inspires the original 1954 gojira and just you know all of that so i hope you guys very much enjoyed the episode i know that i uh I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I did. Time really flew by. I was not expecting the episode to be this long. But, uh, all right, guys. Thank y'all for tuning in. Thank y'all for listening. As always, any type of feedback or criticism is very welcomed by me. If you know me well enough to have my phone number, text me. Uh, any feedback or criticism. If not, go over to my Facebook page, Kaiju Carnage. Uh, it has the same profile picture that my uh, that the podcast does. And send me a message on Messenger with any feedback or uh, anything that you've got to say. If you have any questions that you want to ask me, uh, by all means, go ahead and do it. If you haven't given the page a like, go ahead and do it. Uh, the page is really gaining some steam. I'm getting far more support on there than I thought I would. I very much thank you all for the support and for listening to my podcasts uh it's just it's crazy to me that there are some people out there that want to listen to a guy like me just simply talk about something that he loves and you guys do it because you have a mutual love for this genre of film and comics or and just media and these these giant monsters that just capture our imagination and love and I very much appreciate all the support. Uh, thank you. And I hope you enjoyed the episode. And I'll catch you guys later. This is Cal the Kaiju Guy, signing out.